Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Wonderful. Have you got your Bibles? If you've got your Bibles, please turn to Proverbs chapter 4. I mean, every, I've been really honest. Every single message that we share, we actually feel it's the most important message you'll ever hear. <laughs> I really do feel like that every time I deliver the Word of God. Because I've got, got to hear from heaven, and I've got to hear from the heart of fa- the Father, and we want to give a word in season. If it's a word in season, it's the word that's on God's heart. So that's why it feels like, God, oh, this is the most important word we could ever hear. We need to hear this. And I'm, I'm going to talk about guarding our hearts, tending our hearts. So not just guarding, because we're not just defense mode, but guarding and tending. When I think of tending, you're the one that has to... Um, take care of your heart. And I'm not just thinking of protection. I'm also thinking of you're a farmer. You're a sower. You have to sow seed in your own heart. You're the first sower in your own heart. You're the first. When I think of myself as a farmer. I, I cultivate this heart. And so do you. God has given you a free will. I want you to know that you're in power today because God gave you the free will to be in charge of your own heart. That's pretty good news. No one else has the power unless you give them the power. You have the power to take care of your own heart. Now, you, now, obviously, God gives us the freedom. God gives us the ability. God gives us the wisdom. God gives us the thoughts, the words. God gives us everything we need, but he gave you a free will. And so I want to encourage you to, to guard your own heart, to protect your heart. I wrote down, guard and tend your own heart is the title of my message. Guarding and tending your heart. Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son or my daughter, give attention to my words. The word attention in the original language Hebrew literally means give attention. All right? It means to prick up the ears. It's like attend, cause to hear, regard. Like don't just let someone speak and not, you're not hearing it, but prick up the ears. Like, I'm listening. To what? To my words. What's the subject matter? The Word of God. Listen. Attend to the Word of God. Incline. That means to spread out or stretch yourself to the ear. Stretch your ear to my sayings. Again, it's like I'm leaning in. It's effort. It means you make an effort to go. Now, physically, I'm using an example. But, but we're talking about leaning in spiritually, leaning in mentally, leaning in emotionally, making an effort that I need to hear what God is saying. Because that's what Proverbs says. And it says, do not let them. What are we talking about? What's the them? Depart from your eyes. We, I'll read it again. My son, give attention to my words. Decline your ear to my saying. Do not let them depart from your eyes. We're talking about the word of God. Do not let the word of God depart from your eyes. Keep them in the middle of your heart. That word middle uh, means center or to sever like a bisection. Bisect your heart and put it in the middle. That's the Hebrew word. Bisect it. Get the word into your heart. Keep them in the middle of your heart. For they, we're still talking about the word of God, are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. You know the word of God actually gives you health to your body? Proverbs, I mean, I love the book of Proverbs. You read, I trust you read the book of Proverbs. The Bible says envy, envy rottens the bones. What does that mean? And Envy actually rottens your bone. It actually affects your sickness. 
affects your body, affects your health, sorry. It affects your health because if you've got envy, it rottens the bones. Bone is where the marrow is made and where the blood is made. Life is in the blood. So if I'm full of envy and unforgiveness and bitterness and hatred, it releases sickness. It opens the door. I mean, modern science knows this now, that a person that's full of stress, worry, fear, anxiety, unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred, guilt, shame, all the wrong emotions that God never designed us to be in. God never designed us to be in that. All those wrong emotions releases. Your brain's like a chemical gland that releases secretions into your body that poisons your body. Unforgiveness, bitterness. Think about that. That's why the Bible says envy rottens the bones. But God's word is life to all your flesh. Wow. This is awesome. Keep your heart with all diligence. That means to guard. To guard your heart. To protect. To maintain. To obey. I like that word obey. It's in the original meaning when it says to uh, keep your heart because how do you protect your heart you obey your heart if you don't obey your heart your conscience your heart will start to go off track it gets sour it gets it's we were designed to hear God and obey God but if we don't obey our heart then our flesh is in control and our flesh will lead our heart does that make sense keep your heart with all diligence for out of it out of your heart spring the issues of life so keep your heart with all diligence. I mean, more than important than anything else, protect your heart. For out of it spring the issues of life. I looked up the word issues. It literally means a geographical boundary. So I'll read it this way. Out of your heart flows the boundaries of life. Where does our boundaries come from? Where, our limitations. We put, up, we put limitations on ourselves by what's in our heart. If our heart is speaking, let's say, unbelief, and I'm hopeless, I'm no good, I can't do anything right, uh, I just don't know if I can do that. That's, that's putting the boundaries down of that I can't do that. But if, when I'm in a place where I feel inadequate, I don't think I've got the goods. I don't think I, I'm about to do something I've never done before. I'm about to present a project at work and I have to speak in front of people. Oh, I feel inadequate. I feel intimidated. I don't go, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. I might make a fool of myself. I might stumble over my words. I don't confess my inadequacy. I say, Lord, I thank you through Christ. You give me the strength. I can do this because you're here. You're inside of me. You're going to enable me to do something I cannot do without your help. So what am I doing? I'm leaning on him. Look at the boundaries I'm setting. By speaking what I actually believe the Word of God says about me. God says so much about us. We have to know what He says about us. Then we have to believe what He says about us. Then act on what He says about us. Um, so the boundaries. I think, wow, my heart sets the boundaries of life. It sets the limitations. I thought God did. God made us in His image. God made us in His likeness. The Bible says this in Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of? I was about to say God. Because it's not the God. You just said it right. The Bible says the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We live like it's on the power of God. God's saying, I gave you the authority. I gave you the freedom. I gave you freedom to, to, to take dominion. But how are you going to do it? With the tongue, with your mouth, with speaking life. If you and I only speak death, negativity, fear, unbelief, how are we supposed to? Speak life. How we you know, take life? We're supposed to take life. Deuteronomy twenty-eight. No, Deuteronomy thirty. At the end of Deuteronomy thirty, says, "God Himself is speaking. I call heaven and earth to witness this day. I present. God says, I present to you life and death, blessing and cursing. And He actually says, choose life. It's like He had to give you the answer. I mean, it's like uh, life and death, uh, blessing and cursing." 
let me think. Should I have the death and the, ble- and the cursing? And God says, he even tells you the answer, just in case you're, you're leaning there. Choose life. How do, you ch- how do you choose life? By speaking life. How can I speak life? I've got to have it in me to speak it. I've got to take care of this heart. I've got to make sure. Guard your heart above all things. Give attention to the Word of God. Put the Word of God in. Put it in. Because when it's inside you, it comes out automatically. Out of the abundance of your heart, what does it say? Your mouth speaks. When you put it in, it comes out. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, As a man or a woman thinks, so is he. As a man or a woman thinks, so is he. That means if I change the way I think, I can change the way I am. I can change my whole life. Luke chapter 6 verse 45 says, A good man, as a good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. I mean, Jesus is explaining, this is how things happen. A good man, out of the good treasure or what's deposited in his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, we, we get stuck on that word. But let's say evil is negativity, insecurity, fear, unbelief. When you're insecure, you, you know, you just see everything in the natural and you're just insecure, inadequate. So evil, negative, insecure, fearful, doubtful man, because of what's deposited in his heart, brings forth evil, negative, insecure, fearful things into his life. For, the word for means because. This is the reason why it all happens. Jesus says, out of the abundance of your heart, whatever's inside in abundance, your mouth speaks. What you speak, you end up getting. You end up living what you're speaking. I'm just using this as a foundation. Now we're going to go to Matthew 13. Matthew 13. This really struck me the other day as I was reading this. And, you know, I, I, I'm trying to be really, really honest and vulnerable here. I, I, I came to Christ at the age of 19. And so these teachings of Jesus, the Son of the living God, this is God in the flesh, came down, showed us the way of life, showed us that He was the truth, the life, the way. And so he showed us how to live life. And I got excited as a young man. I thought, wow, I know now the secrets of life. I know now how to live my life. I can pattern it to Jesus. I can't go wrong if I look at Jesus and live my life like him. I got so excited at the age of 19. I want to be just as excited today at the age of whatever you think I am. (laughs) At the age of 51, I want to be more excited. More excited today. Why? Because I've walked with God for 32 years. I don't want to lose that passion. I don't want to lose that hunger. Surely, if God is true, shouldn't I be more hungry today than I was when I first became a Christian? So why do we lose this? I can tell you why. I'm about to give you a reason. All right. We're going to pick it up from verse 11. Actually, verse 10. Actually, no, I'm joking. Uh, And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? I mean, this is the son of the living God. This is God in the flesh. This is the greatest teacher that ever walked the earth. Full of wisdom. Full. He's a genius. Jesus is a genius. I'm serious. When you look at the words he, he showed us, he unravels. We're going to go into it. He unravels every strategy that the enemy uses to attack you. Unravels it. He absolutely shows it so clearly that we are not guessing. We're not wondering, how does the enemy attack us? We're not guessing, how do we fight the enemy? I wonder how we should fight back. If you don't know how, what his tactics are, how are you supposed to use tactics against him? So Jesus, we just got to believe what he said. You got to believe it's in the Bible. It's in your Bible too. And, and look at this. Why, I mean, they, I think they're a bit dumbfounded, the, the disciples. It's like there, was, there were probably 20,000, 30,000 people 
out in the field and he had to go on the ocean. He had to go on the boat to teach them because it was so packed. He couldn't stand where the crowd was. He had to find a space. He used a boat and from there he sat down. I mean, so cool, calm and collective and just started speaking parables. It's an earthly example of heavenly truth. And, and, he, and they just said, why do you speak to them in parables? I mean, why don't you just make it plain? This is what they're thinking, I'm telling you. And he answered them, this is what he said, he answered them, he answered and said to them, because, I love this, it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. The mysteries. In the Greek, it's mysterion. Mystery. It actually means secret. It has been given for you to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. I mean, the first question I think, well, why are you revealing it to us, they're the disciples, and not to them? And we're disciples. If you're here and you're a disciple, if you're a follower of Jesus, this applies to you. God, Jesus is applying this to you. It has been given. It has been given for you to know the mysteries. Mysteries are things that we don't know yet. They're, they're secrets. I know a lot of things from the Bible. I know a lot of truths that operate the kingdom. I know heaps. But we, we should be so intrigued with the mysteries, the unknown of God. I don't know God yet. The more I know Him, the more I, it should come to me how much I don't know Him. And the, and the part of me not knowing God should give me a hunger to know Him better. Does that make sense? The more I know Him, the more I realize how much I don't know. So today, you should hear the truth and you go, wow, there's a lot of things I don't know. That's good because I'm there too. And so when I realize I don't know a lot of things, it should stir up a hunger. I want to know more. I've been, Jesus says, I've given you the mysteries. The mysteries of the kingdom of God. How God operates his kingdom. One time, we won't go into that now because the next, next few weeks I'm going to teach about the keys of the kingdom. But Jesus said to Peter, I give you the keys of the kingdom of God. And those keys, um, spoiler alert, is revelation. It's a revelation. Revealed truth. It's a simple spoiler alert. There's nothing spooky about it. It's just revealed truth. When you get a revelation, I've given you the mysteries but to you, but not to them. Why to us and not to them? Is God saying, oh, I give it to you, but I, I, I choose. Not, not. Is God here right now going, I give it to you, Tim, but not to you. I give it to you, Denise, but not to Jackie. Jackie, I give it to you, but not, not to you, Sarah. No. Is God like that? No, not at all. The disciples' hearts were positioned in humility, in teachability, in hunger. They're, they've committed. They've left everything. They're following Jesus. So because you're seeking, because you're searching, because you're hungry, because you're a disciple, you're a disciple, you're a learner. It's the teachability of the heart that God is saying, I'll give you the mysteries. To them, look what he says. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And he'll have abundance. I look up that in the... Um, Passion Translation, look what it says. And explain, you have been given the intimate experience of insight into the hidden truths and mysteries of the realm of heaven's kingdom. But they have not. For everyone who listens with an open heart will receive progressively more revelation until he has more than enough. whoever, Whoever has, the word has means whoever holds. Whoever holds truth. Whoever holds, it's like the possession of the truth. It's like carrying it. Why do I hold it? Because I'm teachable. 
because I'm asking, because I'm searching, because I'm looking, because I want to know. Whoever holds it will get more. And then he says, but whoever does not have, not faithful with what he's been given, he's not searching, he's not hungry, he's not teachable, he's not taking care of what has been given to him, he says, even what he has will be taken away from him. We're really talking about being teachable. I'm just really cut it down. But being teachable, it's the posture of our heart and all these things. It's so vital, I'm telling you. Because as believers, we can get to this place. I'm honest. I'm telling you honestly, I've been in this place. We all have. I mean, there's a different degrees of this, obviously. We've got to be careful we don't get to the place where we think we know. Well, I know now. I've been a Christian for 30 years. Thank you very much. Well, you're going to teach me. Attitude. It's arrogance. It's pride, isn't it? We should be humble and say, God, I want to be more teachable now than I was when I first became a Christian. Let's honestly say, can we really say we are? Many times I haven't been. I want to be. I want to, I want to guard my heart and say, God, make me a, so teachable that I'm hungry more. I'm more hungry. I mean, there's, there's scriptures in Proverbs that says, when you search for, when you search for wisdom and knowledge, as if you would search for it as for hidden treasure, then you would find it. Then you'd find the fear of the Lord and you'd find the knowledge of God. When you search for wisdom and knowledge as if you were searching for hidden treasure. I mean, why is Solomon saying that? He knows the desire is the key. He knows motivation is the key. The heart position is so important. I've said this many, many years, but if you knew you had $20 billion worth of gold bullion in your backyard, dug in there, 10, 15, 20 meters down there somewhere, but it's in your backyard and you know for sure it's there. You just don't know where, but it's there. What would you do to search it? I don't know about you. I'd search it. I'd look for it. I know what I can do with that, more, that sort of money. I know I, I can preach the gospel with that sort of money. I can help a lot of people with that sort of money. So if I knew it was in my backyard, I'm not going to go, oh, yeah, kesara, sara, it's just there somewhere. One day it'll show itself up. One day I might just stumble across it. No, I'd get lights. I'd get a tractor. I'd get a gold. I'd get a, I'd get a shovel. I'll do it myself if I have to. I want to find it. Why is he saying that? Because the treasure of God's wisdom is more valuable to you than gold and silver. We need to believe that. It really is more valuable. The treasure of God's wisdom is far greater than all the gold, all the rubies. All, the Bible says that. All the rubies, all the gold, all the silver you can ever have. The word of God is more precious to us. And you have it in your possession. I won't go any more after that. But you got it in your possession. How much are we reading it? How much are we meditating? How much are we discovering? How much are we, are we digging for it like we would if gold was in our backyard? Look at this. Look at this. It just gets better because it's the Word of God. Jesus is phenomenal, when he, what he explains here. Therefore, I speak to them in parables. This is the reason why I speak to them in parables. Basically, if I spoke to them clearly, plainly, they still wouldn't understand because their heart's not in the right position. Their heart's not postured. The heart's not in humility. It's not in a teachable place. I have to speak to them in parables. It's all like God seals it so if you're hungry, you'll look for it and you'll get it. Therefore, I speak to them in parables. This is the reason I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which was, and he quotes Isaiah, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, seeing you will see and not perceive, Imagine that. Imagine hearing, but not hearing. Imagine seeing and not seeing to understand. 
Like right now, I mean, this is true of every single Sunday. So please understand where I'm trying to come from. Every single Sunday, whoever's preaching the Word of God, anytime you read the Bible, it's true. Anytime you hear someone else preaching the Word in a, in a message or a podcast, every time, especially in this setting, there's hundreds of people here. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Every single one is going to hear what I'm saying at different levels. It's normal. It's, it's, it's the way God does this. Some will hear it this level. Some will hear it this level. Some will hear it deeper, deeper. Some people won't hear it at all. Some people go, what is he talking about? It's going, what? You, know, you know the saying? He's gone, it's going over my head. But why is it going over your head? Even now, like, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the, what's the word? Um, the thing that we have to live with as pastors, you share the word. At first, I used to get frustrated when I first became a pastor. So share the word, share the word, and look at the response. God just said, my job is just to share it. It's God's job to bring the increase. It's his job to make it grow. It's his job to give you the revelation. You teach it the best way you can. I've got to let it go and say, God, take that word and let it work. But everyone right now, you're hearing the same words. Some are hearing and are not hearing. Some are seeing, but still not seeing. Look what it says here. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. What's grown dull? The heart. Their, their ears are hard of hearing. They've become dull. It means um, it's slowly, it's like deaf. You hear, but you're not hearing. And their eyes, they have closed. Who've, who's, clo- who's done the closing? They have closed. I mean, in, in this um, Passion Translation, look what it says. Their minds are dull and slow to perceive. Their ears are plugged and are hard of hearing. And it says, um, and they have deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. They have deliberately shut their eyes from the truth. Here it says, they close their eyes. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand. Understand is revelation. And, and then it says this. Otherwise they would open their eyes. Who, who opens their eyes? They open their eyes. And open their ears to hear and open their minds to understand. Then they would turn to me and let me instantly heal them. Heal, restore, set free, no matter what, whatever problem you're in, no matter what you're facing. It's when we, remember it says they deliberately close their eyes and they shut their ears. I thought to myself, I thought, Lord, when do I shut my eyes to your truth? And why would I? That's a good question. Why would I? And I started thinking about it. Why don't I want more truth than I already have? Truth demands change. Truth demands responsibility. I've got to take up responsibility now and live that truth. Truth demands, now if if I hear truth, now if I live this truth, I could lose my friends. I could lose people that are close to me because I don't understand when I take this truth. So I'm concerned about persecution. I'm concerned about people not loving me. Because all of a sudden I take more truth. It, it, truth means you have to be responsible for the truth. So we unconsciously shut it down. Even though truth is the very thing we need. But we say no more to truth because I'm just comfortable. I'm just, let me just keep the status quo. Let me maintain what I have. It's just comfortable where I'm at. And that's why we fall into maintenance mode. It's why we fall into uh, the status quo and complacency and mediocre why don't I go more truth? Why don't I want more truth? I, this, I, you, know, I've, I've, you and I have picked up a few glasses of water. Just a few glasses. Maybe every now and then we picked up a few glasses of water and we think we know everything and this whole ocean's full of water. We just go, I'm fine. 
I just drink anytime I want to. If I'm really, 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 really thirsty, about to die, I drink. About to die, I drink. There's whole oceans full to discover. We get satisfied with just, and we think, well, I know, I know a lot to do with God. I know a lot so much. You're satisfied. Can you see how we unconsciously shut our eyes to the truth? Because it means so much. It means change. It means, it, mean, it even hurts. You know why it hurts? Because, oh, I've been wrong in this area. I have to admit, I've been wrong. You know, truth is truth, but there's something that's truer than the truth that you know right now. That's the way truth is. We've been taught by the Greek philosophy for many, many years. We think it's right or wrong. But truth can be, you can be both right and taking it from different angles. You're just speaking to me from that perspective and someone looking from that perspective and it's the same. Does that make sense? If I wrote down the number nine, like that, in the number nine, sidewards, from you, it look, from you guys it looks like six. From you guys it looks like nine. You're both correct. Just looking at a different angle. That's how Hebraic truth comes across. Truth, according to God's word, has always two sides of it. You don't just go, what's right, what's wrong? So yes, it's true, but can be truer. It's, uh, the, the increase of God's kingdom is never ending. You never come to the complete truth. I've got everything. No, you just keep growing, don't you? That's the nature of truth. And it says, but blessed are your eyes for they see. Remember that when you get revelation, when you get understanding, when you understand truth, you turn. The word turn literally means to, to return to the original place, to return to that higher place where we, were, where we fell from, to return to the Lord. And when you return to the Lord, He will heal us. But blessed are your eyes. I love Jesus' attitude towards the disciples. Yes, but blessed are your eyes. So this is Jesus' attitude towards you as a disciple. Blessed are your eyes, for they do see, and your ears they do hear. Whoa, that's good. But we all have different degrees of hearing. Don't forget that. We all have different degrees of seeing. True? I I don't want to, I want to have more. I want to have hunger. I want to say, God, I want to be more hungry today than I ever was yesterday. All right? For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. We're talking about the Old Testament prophets prophesied about the Messiah. Now these guys are walking with the Messiah, walking with the Son of God, walking, seeing miracles and healings, blind eyes open, walking, uh, dead men walking, raising them from the dead, I mean, walking on water, all these amazing miracles. Your eyes see now. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. Now he's explaining the parable of the sower. Now I've got to, I've got to show this. It's... Because this is the whole point. The whole reason why their hearts grew dull, he's going to explain how it happens. He goes, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away that what was sown in his heart. Let me quickly give you the first part of the parable. Jesus says, the sower went out to sow. Some fell on footpath. The footpath means it's not, it's not soil. It's on the surface. And he says, the birds of the air come and see the seed. Take the seed, eat it up, right? That's the first ground. There's four types of ground that Jesus explains, four. First one is on the footpath. Second one is on stony ground. It doesn't have much soil. There's a lot of rocks, not a lot of soil. So it sprung up really quickly because it, it, it doesn't have a lot of soil to take nutrition from. So it really sprung up quick. But because it doesn't have a lot of roots, that's what Jesus said, it doesn't have a lot of roots. When the sun came, the sun beats on that little plant and takes the nutrition out of it. Because it, it needs to survive with water and nutrition from the ground. And if it hasn't got enough to take out of the ground, it's going to... You know what happens to it? 
it, it dies. You get this so far, right? Jesus explains what those hearts are in a second. The, the other one is the, it falls on thorny ground. So he's the sower sowing, takes it out of his bag and he's throwing it like this. And some falls on the thorny ground and it grows, but the thorns grow with it. The thorns. Now what happens if I've got a, the plant of the Lord, it's, it's supposed to grow into a massive tree with lots of fruit. The roots go down into the river and it becomes a mighty powerful tree when you protect it properly. What happens when it's tender and small and the cares... Oh, I, just, I just told you what it was. But the, 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 the thorns, great. There's a thorn bush around this. There's lots of thorn bushes. The thorn bushes are taking nutrition out of the ground, isn't it? And anytime you water it, the thorn bushes take it as, takes it as well. So it starts to choke the life out of the plant that's supposed to be taken care of. You're supposed to tend to that, that plant. Following? And the other one, the seed, fell on good ground. This one produced 30, 60, 100 times what was planted. Now, the whole point of this example is Jesus is saying, the sower went out to sow the word. Remember Proverbs chapter 4, the importance of having the word in our hearts? Jesus, let me say it this way. God was the ultimate sower because he sowed Jesus and he sowed the word of God through the prophets and all those things. But Jesus, when he's walking the earth, he's the ultimate sower. Now, he's sowing the seed, speaking the word, isn't he, right? There's so many applications to this. I want to show us some of them. This is one of the most important ones. You're also a sower. You've got to take this responsibility. You are a sower in your own heart. That's where you first are. We're also sowers of the Word of God. We as a church, if we don't ever share the gospel, never share the Word of God, words are seeds. If you never share the Word, people won't get saved. They can't get saved unless they hear the Word. So we're all sowers in this room. From lifestyle, relationship, families, at work, at school, at uni, everywhere we go. We've got to ask ourselves the question, how much of the gospel is going out of our lips and through the media and through the preaching and through all the mediums that we have, through connect groups, through all the relationships we have? We are sowers. If you're a thriving, healthy church, we're sharing the word of God and the gospel is going out. It, there's so many aspects to this. But let's talk briefly about we are sowers of our own heart. We're farmers of our own heart, right? Jesus says this now. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom. So what are you hearing? The word of the kingdom. And does not understand it. This is the key. When you don't understand the word, it says the wicked one comes and snatches away that what was sown in his heart. The wicked one is referred the birds. The birds of the air come in and eat it. Now the first wave of attack, Jesus is now revealing how the enemy attacks us. The first wave of the attack that the enemy comes is this. He just whispers. That's not true. That's not true for you. I might work for that person, but not for you. You've tried that, haven't you? Did, did it work? No, it didn't really work. He's trying to snatch it out of your head. He's trying to snatch it out of your head before it goes into your heart. So if he can just convince you, right? You might hear the gospel. Wow, did Jesus die on the cross for my sin? Is it free? Can I be forgiven for good? Just like that? He tries to snatch it. If you go, ah, oh, and the devil says, no, nah, no, nah, not really true. Don't believe that stuff. And if he can convince you there, he's got you at that first wave of attack. He doesn't have to attack you in other areas because you just said, okay. Does that make sense? That's true of every single revelation that you ever get of God. Any revelation, the enemy will attack on this first wave, and that is, that's not true for you. How do you know that's not true? That, you, that person tried that, it didn't work. Let's say you hear about healing, and you go, oh yeah, but my healing's gone for today. The devil whispers, that was only in the days of the apostles. Oh, really? 
Yeah, it doesn't really happen today. Oh, it doesn't happen today. So if you listen to the lawyer, he's already taken it out. Took it out of your head before it fell into your heart. Any revelation, how God wants to bless you and prosper you, if the devil lies to you, oh, no, that's not true for me. I've tried that. I, I tried to give and it didn't work. devil's taken it out. He uses this in every level of attack, all right? The second one, really quickly, I have to go through all of them now. Please bear with me if I go a few more minutes. The next one, look, look, just, what's he going for? What's the devil trying to take? What's the seed represent? The word. What's the bird trying to get? The word, the seed. So what's the enemy trying to convince you out of? The word, right? But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the what? The word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself. When tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, he immediately stumbles. You know what the word stumble means? It actually means he's scandalized. It means to be offended. You get offended. Now, again, let's go back to, he hears the word, yet he has no root in himself, endures only for a while, for when tribulation and persecution arises, what for? Because of the word's sake. Tribulation and persecution is trying to attack the word. He doesn't want the word to be fruitful, true? Even the, 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 the cares of the world choke the what? Choke the word. But let me ask you this question. Can the enemy really attack the word of God? Of course not. The enemy is darkness. How can darkness attack the word? The word is light. Psalm says the entrance of thy word is light. It's a lamp to my feet, a light to my pathway. How could the devil possibly attack the word? He can't. So he knows that. He knows he has no chance to attack the Word. But he knows if he can attack your heart, he stops the Word from producing. The Word is ineffective if your heart is not in the right place. So he does his absolute best to attack your heart. And I'm telling you this. I've seen this years and years and years and years of experience. sound like an old man, but I'm not. <laughs> I've seen it time and time again with my closest friends, people that I've, I've seen many times, that... He'll attack you, your heart. So the tribulation, persecution, everyone's going to face. Sometimes, most times, it's not our cause. My, my mother got cancer and she died. That's not my fault. You know what I'm saying? I didn't bring that up on myself. But now the tribulation of that is going to attack my heart to see if I get disappointed and so upset that I'm angry with God or I'm frustrated or I don't trust God in miracles anymore. You understand? I had to have a revelation of God that I realized, God, you didn't put sickness on my mom and I didn't question my faith and I didn't say, why God? Because I know God has no sickness in heaven to give anyone. So if we got a revelation, the devil's trying to make my heart sour. True? Same with persecution. Sometimes we get ourselves in our own mess for our own disobedience. Our own literal disobedience to God, tribulation, persecution comes. It doesn't matter how it comes. Even if it's 100% wrong against you. Does that make sense? I don't think you can have it worse than Joseph in the Bible. Your brothers betray you. Your brothers sell you to slavery. Your brothers want to kill you. It doesn't hurt when a stranger betrays you. It only hurts when someone close to you, like a family member. David said, it's okay if a stranger betrayed me, but someone that I used to eat from the same table and we used to go to the house of the Lord together, he betrayed me. Does that make sense? So it doesn't matter if you're totally... Um, justified in the person's abuse against you. Please hear me what I'm saying. The enemy doesn't care. He really doesn't care. He's so merciless. 
He doesn't care what He uses against you as long as you get upset, frustrated, disappointed, hurt, bitter, unforgiveness. You might even be upset with God. And some of us pull back. I know I have, we all have to some degree. Pull back. We don't trust God like we used to. I've been hurt. I've been betrayed. I've, I've copped a few punches. I've copped a few knocks. I hit myself against a brick wall so many times, spiritually speaking. So we pull back and we go, well, I'm not going to trust like I used to. I'm not going to be as vulnerable and trusting God like before I was taking risks. And now I'm just, does that make sense? The enemy, say, I mean, Jesus is so wise. He's such a genius. He tells us exactly what the devil's going to use against our hearts. It's not, I mean, this is the son of the living God. He just unravels everything the enemy could possibly throw against you. Satan's got nothing else up his sleeves of tricks other than this. Tribulation and persecution. And sometimes it comes from the closest people that you love. It hurts, but guard your heart. Please hear what I'm saying. Sometimes it comes from leaders, from pastors that should have known better, loved better, cared for you better, and all those things, and maybe they hurt you. But don't let it go, oh, that's it. I'm not going to trust the church. I'm not going to trust people. I'm not going to... Or we get angry with God because your dream was not met in your time or your vision or your healing, all these things. Now, I've got the last one. Look, now, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful now in in matthew he only explains cares of the world deceitfulness of riches mark says the cares of the world deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things the lust the desire the word lust isn't just sexual it's the desire of other things that's it the enemy will use the cares of this world and sometimes even the cares of this world are, are good things as a pastor i could get so busy with the cares of this world, which is the cares of ministry, people's needs. I could be running around, Kristen and I could be helping, 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 helping people all the time, doing ministry, preaching, doing the right things. But if we don't spend time with God, guess what? The enemy doesn't care. You can burn out. Pastors are one of the highest burnouts in, in, in the workforce. And they, they can spin out really bad because they're giving, 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 and they justify it. But I'm, I'm doing the work of God. So we could be justified. I'm doing something good. Cares of this world. Um, Passion Translation says the busyness of life. It could be things you have to do, but not in front of your relationship with God. I'm telling you, the most important thing you can guard is your relationship with God. Cares of this world, the sickness of riches. I've had a close friend of mine, a great anointed pastor, built an amazing church. The enemy took him out by this. The enemy took him out by the, uh, the lust of other things. Little by little. These things don't happen overnight. I'll tell you how it happens. If it happened overnight and instantly you were out of place, what did I do that got me out of track? You look at it, oh, there it was. It's so easy to fix. The enemy's too, you know, it's not that stupid. He can see that I'm going to do it so slowly. I'm going to do it so slowly. I'm just going to be so patient. I'll work at it so slowly. So slowly. I'll take years if I have to. I'll wait for so many years. I'll wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And I'll slowly dull their hearts. Slowly dull their hearing. Slowly get them busy with other things. Slowly. So when you look back and go, where did I lost it? You don't even know. You don't know where to begin. I mean, you should know because Jesus told us where. But you know what I'm saying. When you're in darkness, you don't know what you're stumbling over. But you look back and go, how do I fix this? 
Revelation says, return to your first works. If you lost your supreme love, it's not just your first love, it's your number one love, which is Jesus. If you've lost that, return to the first works. Can you see how important this is? And I'm feeling that you're hearing it, which is awesome, so strongly. One thing to hear it, now it's to put it to practice. Say, okay, Lord, I can see clearly that this has taken my time and, and it's choked the word in my heart. I've allowed the cares of this world, that plant grew so big, that little plant suffocating. It can't get nutrition. It, the sun beats on it and it dies because I've allowed the cares of this world. So we need to do some business with God. We need to really be honest before God. It, it, it can take a minute. It really can. It doesn't, take, it doesn't have to take a long you don't have to repent for hours and hours and weep and cry. And it's just, God, I acknowledge this. Yes, I need to fix this. I need to change my priorities. You could walk away with this message and go, God, I take this message. You can even get the message again, watch it on Facebook, hear it and go, God, write down. What do I need to fix? You can go to Matthew 13, read it for yourself. What do I need to change? Holy Spirit, speak to me. Do I need to let go of this? Uh, this has creeped in. Okay, this, this. Sometimes it's a whole list. You might have just changed a lot of things, but that's fine. It's important. I'm telling you, if you do this, even if you need help, seek help with pastors or leaders, someone that you respect, someone you, I don't think I can do this on my own. I need help. I need to get out of this addiction that's destroying my life. Okay. Nothing's wrong with your heart. It's just the enemy has let those cares choke you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even if you're in addiction, you, 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 you can feel so disconnected and feeling it's so disconnected don't judge God's love on your feeling because God loves you unconditionally Amen You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast we hope this message has encouraged you for more please visit our website ggclife.com or email us gglife at ggclife.com from our house to yours be blessed.